Do you aspire to be a fire officer? Are you a veteran who wants to stay relevant? Or are you currently working in the emergency management industry? Join your host, John Alston, as he blazes through current industry trends, events, and tips for management and officer development. Learn from industry leaders and discover how to network with peers and emergency management leaders. Welcome to the Fire Officer Trust Podcast. This is John Alston for the Fire Officer Trust podcast, and it has been a while. Uh, most of you know I relocated from New Jersey to Connecticut to assume the role as the fire chief in the city of New Haven, and it has been a great opportunity. I want to thank the city, the firefighters, the mayor's administration, everyone for embracing me and giving me the opportunity to work. One of the benefits that I got as a default, and it is just a treasure, is to get reconnected with one of my good friends and colleagues, a gentleman who was out there doing exactly what Fire Officer Trust is about, is Fire Chief Reggie Freeman of the Hartford, Connecticut Fire Department. And um, he's got some wonderful lectures and courses. Uh, it's tough to get a hold of him when I call him. He's either in the airport or another country. He's been everywhere, and um, some of the things he talks about in terms of transformational leadership indeed, is, is so critical to the new generation of firefighters. While he was coming in and um, at the Harvard Graduate Club, there was an event hosted by Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro and Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. I said, hey, man, how much time do you have? Can I grab you for a hot second and just get you on the mic? So apologize if the sound is not the same as it used to be. We're in a new location working on it, but I just had to grab him. And, Chief, I appreciate you taking the time. Tell the people who you are, where you came from. Thank you, Chief, and what an honor and privilege to be here. You know, this is May 3rd, 2018. Do you know how long I have been listening to this podcast and how long I have been wanting to be a guest on your show? I did not know. I do know you've been listening because I've been listening to you. So I am thrilled that you're here. I'm, I'm glad the day has finally come. And thank you so much for the opportunity. My, my career started in Mississippi. And in the year 2000 in Mississippi, there weren't many African-American firefighters. To this day, there still aren't many African-American firefighters. And I, I had a dream, if you will, to work for a very progressive organization, to work for a progressive city. And I knew I was not going to get that in Mississippi. So I had to leave. And today, as the chief of the department for the city of Hartford, I took a very unique path to get to where I'm at. You know, I had to go to a different few, a, a few different departments to get to where I'm at. And that's not something that is ordinary, but it was something that was a necessity in my specific situation. So after I left Mississippi, I went to Iraq. I was in Iraq for four years wow. as a civilian fire chief from November 5th, 2004 to November 12th, 2008. 
uh, really earned my stripes, if you will, in Iraq as a young officer, because at the time I was only in the fire service for approximately five years prior to going overseas and serving in the capacity of an officer in a combat zone, was serving in different locales and forward operating bases in Iraq, such as Mosul, Abu Ghraib Prison, Camp Victory in Baghdad, Taji, 15 miles northeast of Baghdad, Talil, Cedar, you name it, I was there. And so it was there to where I realized that if when I went home, I had to do certain things to become an officer and back in the municipal fire service. So I pursued my degree. I got my bachelor's degree in leadership. I went on and got my master's degree in executive fire service leadership. I was fortunate enough to become a fellow of the Kennedy School of Government for Harvard University in Cambridge. Went on to participate in the EFO program. And now I'm currently a doctoral student working on my dissertation, which is which is painful, which is painful. But there's light at the end of the tunnel, finally. Uh, So that's the education portion and the credentialing side of the house. Becoming a chief fire officer designee through the Center for Public Safety Excellence is something that I'm very proud of. I first earned that designation in 2008 as a as a young officer. I believe I was 28 at the time. And went on to the Institution of Fire Engineers, USA branch, earned my member grade. And today I'm a fellow, very, very fortunate and and very, um, very proud of the fact that I was able to earn that de- designation. There's only a handful of fellows in the USA branch and, and now uh, serve in a capacity as chairman for the Commission on Professional Credentialing. So when I first earned the CFO designee, I never in my wildest dreams would ever imagine that I would become chairman of the commission that is fantastic and you mentioned all of that and um, i'm testing my hearing going from the civilian branch to the municipal branch and i know that you had some experience doing that before what was it like working in other countries and working in the civilian capacity knowing what you knew about um, the united states uh, standards of firefighting, professional standards of firefighting, uh, being able to relate that to the civilian side and the transitions that you had to make. I know I'm going to back up on a couple of things, but I don't want to lose track of that. Sure. It, it was challenging. It was challenging because I was a young officer. I, w- I went to Iraq, you know, as a quote unquote senior firefighter with just five years on the job to serving in the capacity of making sure that everyone, everyone went home from our forward, op- forward operating bases in a combat zone. And so, in the beginning, I have to be honest with you, I doubted myself. You know, there was a lot of uh, hesitation in the beginning on some of the decisions that I made uh, because I lacked confidence. But once I gained the confidence in my training and the limited experience that I had, but more so the education, uh, I started to to make better decisions when I started trusting myself. And I think that's one critical element of becoming a an effective officer is just trusting your decision, trusting your training, trusting your education, and trusting your experience. Uh, because making sure that everyone went home and everyone was safe at the end of every tour was was my priority. And when you're a young officer, sometimes, depending on the amount of coaching and mentoring that you've had, also coupled with your experience, because there's no replacement for experience. I don't care how many certifications or degrees you have, there's no replacement for experience. However, experience does not define competency. 
Competency is defined by one's training, education, and experience, but most importantly, the application of one's training, education, and experience. So once I started trusting myself, I think that energy naturally resonated with the men and women under my command, and they started trusting me more. Excellent. So you mentioned mentoring, and I know you're a mentor to several people, including myself. Um, Vice versa. I, I, I dig, you know, I'm from the old school. I dig a lot of the stuff that you have brought to the game, um, a lot of the information and structure and how you synthesize that into practical application. So I'm glad you said that. But I know you were a mentor. I know you travel internationally, as I do. Who mentored you? Um, I want you to talk about the mentors that you had, but also why did you decide to be in the fire service in the first place? <laughs> That's a great question, Chief. You know, honestly, you know, I wish I had that story to where I saw that bright, shiny fire truck driving by and at that moment when I was three or four years old, I said, I want to be a firefighter, but I was not that kid. I wanted to be a, a federal agent. I wanted to be a DEA agent or U.S. Marshal. Wow. Uh, drugs had negatively impacted my family, so I wanted to incarcerate every drug dealer there was, and <laughs> that was my goal. That was my mission. However, you know, being an All-American athlete in high school and college, uh, I ended up, uh, of course, going to college in my first semester uh, getting hurt. The alumni uh, got me a job at one of the casinos on the Gulf Coast. And my barber, lo and behold, is the one that approached me about uh, becoming a firefighter. And I did not think about becoming a firefighter prior to that conversation. And the city at the time when they were hiring, you know, he uh, he pulled me to the side and said, hey, Reg, you know that uh, the city's looking for their first African-American firefighter. And I think you'd be great a great addition to the team. You're athletic. Uh, you're, you're bright. What do you, what do you think? And I said, firefighter. I said, well, what, what do firefighters do other than the obvious? So he broke it down for me because he had several friends that were firefighters and he told me about the schedule. He told me about the camaraderie. He told me about the, the brother and the sisterhood. He told me about the impact that you can make on a community. And that's where I was sold. I was sold on making a difference. I was sold on being able to contribute to my community and making it better. That's when I made my mind up that, yes, that is something that I want to pursue. And so I ended up going to the academy and absolutely fell in love with it day one. The structure, the organization, the discipline that resonated throughout the academy amongst the instructors, amongst my fellow recruits, I knew that this was what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. And after, of course, going to the academy and graduating and looking to leave Mississippi, I reached out to a number of Metro fire chiefs. Mississippi is a IFSAC accredited state. Correct. So I reached out to other larger municipalities that I knew would honor an IFSAC certification. And it's ironic that when I go to FDIC, when I go to FRI and, and see some of these chiefs that I reached out to because they're still around, they have no clue that they never returned a phone call from this young firefighter from Mississippi who was just looking for an opportunity. And they'll never know because I'll never disclose that to them. But there were three people who did return my phone call. And that was 
uh, at the time, he was Deputy Chief Dwayne Dodwell, Fairfax County, oh, Virginia. I know, I know Chief Dodwell well. Yeah. It was I. David Daniels, who yeah. was at the time the Fire Chief at Fulton County, Fulton County Fire, Georgia, Department, yeah. Fire Department in Atlanta, and uh, Fire Chief Kelvin Cochran from Shreveport, Louisiana, Correct. which Shreveport is my birthplace. My father was in the Air Force. We moved around every three years. So these three gentlemen, they really took the time that they did not have to do. They they took the time to coach and mentor me. Not only did they return my phone calls, but they actually invited me out to uh, their respective locations to have a sit down. And I took them up on that. And to this day, we stay in touch. You know, if it was not for Chief Daniels, Chief Cochran, and Chief Dodwell, I would not know anything about the National Fire Academy EFO program. I would not know anything about the CFO designation from the Center for Public Safety Excellence. I would not know anything about the member grade designation from the Institution of Fire Engineers USA branch. And uh, they really, really are the responsible parties for me being where I'm at today. And so with that, I make sure that I do the same thing. I answer emails. I return phone calls. I make myself available for anyone who wants to better themselves, for anyone who has questions, who, for anyone who wants to uh, become a firefighter, for anyone who wants to try to get promoted, no matter the rank in the fire service, because I had those three gentlemen do that for me, and it's, um, it's because of them. I am where I'm at as the 37th fire chief and at the time appointed 37 years old for the city of Hartford, Hartford, Connecticut. Chief, how old are you now? 39. My gracious. I have a lot of friends. Uh, there's a lot of history that I have with the Hartford Fire Department going back to Chief John Stewart who had a profound impact uh, and impression on me as a young firefighter back in 1985. He True was, legend. True he, legend. Yeah, he was friends with my um, chief at the time, John T. Mullins. That's how I, I met him and also through the IABPFF. And um, those were the people that made an impact on me. I'm going to pause right here for a hot second and say, you're listening to the Fire Officer Trust podcast, a place for fire officers and those who are aspiring to be. Chief, coming back and answering, uh, these are the questions I ask everyone that we interview. I want you to tell me what your greatest challenges are and what your greatest triumphs are. Greatest challenges. Wow. Do we have enough time left? <laughs> <laughs> it's digital. You talk as long as you want. We'll chop it up. So the, the greatest challenges, Chief, I, I think, you know, for me, it really occurred early in my career when, you know, traditionally there's a traditional route that you take through the progression of the fire service when you climb the organizational ladder. Most times there is that structure of coaching and mentoring. There's that professional development program that is offered or given by the organization to assist those who want to, to get promoted and to give them that insight. Well, I, I didn't have that. I had my mentors that were external to the organizations that I served, but I took a very unorthodox route to get to where I'm at, and that was significant for me. I had to look myself in the mirror and be honest with myself, which I think is probably the hardest thing for all of us to do, because although we want to be liked, quote unquote, we want to be right, quote unquote, uh, sometimes our actions aren't reflective of that. And we, in order to make progress, in order to 
really harness and foster change, you have to change yourself. And that starts with attitude and that and that ends with actions. And I, I would say that was my biggest challenge is really owning my errors and not allowing my mistakes to define me, but making sure that my mistakes were truly learning experiences and just really embracing growth, pers- both personal and professional. I would say those were my biggest challenges. And, and obviously, as a fire officer, any fire officer's biggest challenge is going to be managing and leading people. Amen. And, you know, as a quote unquote seasoned chief at 39 years old, you know, for the majority of my career, I've been either, you know, car one, car two, number one and number two in charge. And every day I'm learning something new about myself, about the organization, about the members of my team and um, practicing servant leadership, practicing transformational leadership really helps me in that regard. So, you know, managing people, leading people is is a huge challenge. And I don't care if you're a lieutenant or a fire chief. You know, you have to first look at yourself, ask yourself, did I properly communicate expectations? Uh, Did John or Jane, were they fully aware of the consequences of their actions? Did I make it clear to them uh, what would occur if they did not follow the directive or follow the order that I gave or follow the follow the uh, direction uh, that I tried to lead them, the path that I tried to lead them down. And in some instances for a fire officer, you know, from company officer up to a senior officer position, sometimes that answer is no. And we have to make adjustments as leaders of the organization because we are nothing more than persons in positions of authority, but it's our actions that dictate if we're an effective leader. It's our actions that dictate if we are effective managers. You're listening to the Fire Officer Trust with John Alston. Visit us at www.fireofficertrust.org. So, Chief Freeman, uh, we were talking about uh, your greatest challenges, uh, but we didn't get to your greatest triumphs. And can you share those with me? Absolutely, Chief. And this is probably the best part about being a fire chief is being able to talk about triumphs because as chiefs, as you're well aware, we don't get many of them, (laughs) (laughs) but those that we get, you know, naturally they revolve around helping and watching people grow. And I would say those are my greatest accomplishments is being able to coach, being able to mentor others, being able to assist others, accomplish their goals. And for me, most recently, you know, there's been several folks that I have assisted in coaching or assisted in mentoring, but you know, it's it's when a fire chief can coach and mentor another to become a fire chief. That is probably one's greatest accomplishment. And that happened to me just recently with my executive officer, who is a deputy chief in our organization with the city of Hartford, recently has been named and appointed as the fire chief for the city of New Britain and the first uh, Latino fire chief for the city of New Britain here in Connecticut. And I tell you what, every time I think about it, every time I say it, it just makes me smile and it makes me so proud uh, for him because he's a he's a great guy, very intelligent, uh, very uh, adept at, you know, understanding and knowing the challenges of the fire service. And he is also a servant leader and someone who practices transformational leadership. So, Chief, I'd say hands down, greatest accomplishment is being able to being able to coach and mentor others and being able to watch people grow and and help people accomplish their goals and their dreams. That's solid stuff. And what I hear in that is not just being proud 
but being able to see the growth, identify the talented talented uh, persons in your organization, being able to cultivate that, watch it flourish, feed it, assist that servant leadership, all that's key because now you're passing that on to an entirely different jurisdiction, agency, and service to a community. And that, that's got to be phenomenal. I want to ask you one thing, though. You're talking about leaders going forward. Where and how do we identify our new leaders? How do we reach this next generation of firefighters? Because we talked about your growth on the training and certification side and matching that with experience. Mm -hmm. But we are moving into an area where we have these new firefighters that are coming in. I find them amazing. I find them challenging. I find them full of energy, and sometimes I find them without focus. And it's not a it's not a negative. I know that they are looking to do the right thing as we move forward in this business of service. But sometimes I don't see the servitude. I don't see the servanthood. I don't see that servant leader. And having a succession plan is most important as a fire chief. Absolutely. And you've been able to achieve that. Tell me, tell me what the message is for the next set of firefighters and where you see that going. Well, I'll, I'll pick up where Chief Cochran left off with me with mentoring. And he always said, Reggie, there's no success without a successor. And succession planning, professional development, uh, professional, de uh, professional development and strategic planning, all three of those things are really intertwined. And you cannot have a, su a successful professional development program without a formulated succession plan. You can't have a strategic plan without incorporating elements from a succession plan or professional development program. So uh, for me, it's really just staying on point or focused on those three criterions and making sure that the entire organization really knows and understands, but most importantly, embraces those three critical programs. And when you do that, ultimately, you see growth in individuals. And when individuals grow, the organization grows and can prosper. That is excellent. I, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, you teach a lot. You you travel a lot. Every time I call you, um, you're either coming from someplace, going someplace, just got back, or you're in the airport. Um, how do you see the program that you bring in transformational, transformational leadership, let me be correct, is it cultural? Is it only for U.S. firefighters? Or are there principles, are there characteristics or traits that are common in every type of leadership style that's necessary to lead fire and emergency services? I would say it, it really varies, Chief, and it, it has changed as the generations has changed, just like the requirements, if you will, for a fire chief, as an example, have changed over the decades. So in the 70s, it was acceptable for a fire chief to have a high school diploma. In the 80s, that transited into an associate's degree. In the 90s, it was a bachelor's. In the 2000s, you know, it was, you know, you saw more and more fire chiefs with graduate degrees. And now today, you know, there's a lot of my colleagues who either have terminal degrees or they're pursuing them. Uh, same thing with education levels of fire chiefs. We can talk about the services that that we deliver 
as uh, as the fire department. And that ranges from in the 70s. It was all about fire. 80s. It was about hazmat. 90s. It was about technical rescue. 2000s. It was about, it's about anti-terrorism and weapons of mass destruction. So as as time changes, so does priorities. And with three different generations in the workforce today, we have to have a keen understanding of their characteristics. Now, keep in mind, you can't paint everyone with the same brush. Everyone, you know, is different. We are all individuals. However, you know, informing yourself of the different traits that may exist in a baby boomer, the different traits that may exist of a member of Gen X, which, by the way, is the greatest generation, just happens to be mine. Oh, boy. <laughs> the, there we go. And the traits. Hold out, baby boomers. Hold <laughs> out. If it wasn't for us, they wouldn't be here. That's right. Much love to the baby boomers. <laughs> and, you know, and then the traits of the millennials or the members from, from Generation Y. And so with, with me and our team, you know, we talk about that. In our staff meetings, at the end of every staff meeting, we have what we call a professional development session. And it's a different topic that we talk about in our staff meetings or every Thursday at 9 a.m. And it was last month we talked about generational differences. But you can't talk about generational differences without talking about the generational commonalities. Hmm. And what brings everything home, what keeps everything on point and focused is the mission. So when you keep everything on the organizational statements as an organization, especially an organization that's based in service like we are in in our culture, in the the fire service, then that's something that everyone can relate to. You know, you have those individuals, some who when they saw that fire truck drive by their home and they were a little boy or a little girl, they knew that's when they wanted to serve or. Uh, they knew when they were 19 years old that they wanted to be in the fire service when they had the fire department respond to their home for a call. And if you keep it about the mission, the vision and the values of the organization, that's the commonality that we all share. And that's what we should all be focused on. And that's what a fire chief, a deputy chief, battalion chief, assistant chief, captain or lieutenant. That's the message they should be conveying to the men and women under their command. Keep it about the mission. If you keep it about the mission, everything else is easy. I'm going to ask you a question that was asked of me uh, quite a few years ago, and I'm going to say at least 10, so it's quite a few for me. If you had to leave one message, if you had the opportunity to talk to the next generation of firefighters and fire officers, if you had the chance to leave one direction, one piece of advice, one word of inspiration, what would it be? Progress. Don't ever let anyone tell you what you couldn't do or what you shouldn't do. You know, my, my career in Mississippi, I can't tell you how many times my company officer asked me, well, Reggie, why are you going to the academy and taking instructor one? Or Reggie, why are you going to academy taking officer one or Reggie, why are you going to academy taking a rope rescue technician? And then when I would give my response, you know, the answer would be back from my company officer. Well, I don't know why you're taking that. You're just wasting your time. And that really motivated me. And if I would have listened to my company officer, you know, I'd probably be nothing more uh, than a company officer back at my original apartment I started with, which 
company officer. I tell, you know, any one of the members of my department can tell you, I've said it a million times and I'll continue to say it. A company officer is the most important person in a firehouse. But if I would have listened to the feedback that I was getting, that was really nothing more than an attempt to stagnate my growth as an individual, uh, then that's exactly what would have happened. And so I would say, don't ever let anybody tell you what you can't do or what you shouldn't do. You know, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, pursue and chase those goals and dreams. Uh, but also always make sure that you're doing any and everything ethically and any and everything that you do is morally sound. Excellent. Uh, in the courses that you've taken, you've done quite a lot of study. I know you looked at the management and business side of our our industry, if you will, because I happen to know in the city of Hartford, not only are you the OEM director, the fire chief, but you were also running DPW. I didn't know if you were still doing that as well. So it's multidisciplined <laughs> for you. You're a talented young man. But do you apply those same principles in each of those situations or do you tweak certain things? Tell me about that. You know, it's, it's funny you 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 bring that up, Chief, because when the mayor first asked me to be the quote unquote interim director of public works, and that was now 15 months ago, I said, sure, not a problem. Anything to help you out, Mr. Mayor. And now here it is 15 months later, I'm still doing the job. And I got to say, it, at first it was intimidating because I walked into that situation with the attitude, it, it really, and honestly, it really reminded me of the time when I became a company officer for the first time to where it was uncharted territory. I was second guessing myself. Can I do this, et cetera. But I tell you what, I've really have grown as a professional. I've really grown as an individual and it's been truly an honor to be able to uh, work side by side with our DPW employees and have a greater appreciation of the hard work that they do. And even now, you know, when I see somebody throwing something out a window, you know, <laughs> I'm honking my horn, I'm, I'm yelling out, the, putting my window down, yelling out the window, saying, hey, pick that up. Because, sure, right. you know, my men and women, they're the ones that have to pick it up. So, you know, it, it's really it's really had a such an extraordinary impact on me and and uh, truly honored and privileged to be able to have that opportunity. And the the management principles are truly the same managing people, leading people, no matter in even even if in the fire department, you know, I've had private sector experience, obviously working overseas in Iraq with the government, uh, being the fire chief for Lockheed Martin in Fort Worth, Texas, as well as in Atlanta, Georgia, you know, the management and the leading of people, it's all the same, whether it's the fire department or whether it is a different genre altogether. And that training, that education and that experience uh, ironically enough, was applicable to be applied to the services of Department of Public Works for the City of Hartford. I appreciate that, Chief. Um, we're going to wrap it up just for a hot second and wind this down. This is not, this is your first time here. It's not going to be your last time because there's so many things I want to ask you. I want to ask you about, so we talked about the different people that are coming in, um, the different agencies that you've worked with, your your challenges, your triumphs, your mentors, and what you're most proud of. But we have people coming into our industry from every walk of life. Some, as you said, are interested in being firefighters. Some aren't. You said that we focus on our mission. When you meet that challenging person, think back when you were an officer, 
you have a person that has devolved into being disagreeable, a person who doesn't focus on the mission, a person that doesn't see the mission the way you do. Mm -hmm. What steps do you take to work with them, correct them, motivate them, or discipline them? That's a great question, Chief. And unfortunately, had the experience of all the above. And one thing that I, the first thing that I do in those circumstances is I try to sit down with the individual and just listen. And something that Congressman Jeffries talked about tonight with the younger generation, as far as they're so used to uh, the younger generation, that is, they're so used to us talking to them. But if we would just take a second and just listen to what they have to say, we may have a different outcome as when we interact with them. And what I found in my experience is that sometimes those challenging employees, they're just bored. They're not challenged. Uh, a lot of individuals, they the academic term for it is, is self-plateau. They self-plateau because they do not want to become a company officer. Uh, they do not want to become a chief officer. And what I've done in order to get that buy-in in these programs, you know, we have dozens, of course, of critical programs in the fire department. What I've done to try to get their buy-in is to empower them. And so you get employee buy-in through employee empowerment. And that's the power that lies in the development and establishment of different committees in an organization. You have your NFPA 1500 committee you can have. You have your strategic planning committee that you can have in your organization. You have your capital improvement planning committee that you can have. And, uh, you know, that's been very effective as far as giving people an opportunity to say, I have a stake in what goes on in this organization. I have an opportunity to contribute to this organization. I have a, I have an opportunity to give back to this organization. And so for any officer that's listening, if you have that challenging firefighter, which we all do, we all have had, then just empower them, give them some responsibility, let them have, let them carve out their own little piece of the pie and let them call it and let them call it theirs and uh, see what different outcomes may come from that. That's sound advice. We couldn't do any better than that. So that's where I'm going to end. We're going to stick a pin in this because we've got to have Chief Freeman back to talk about uh, some of the other steps that he's taken in his courses and in his career and also how he sees the fire department changing right before us. We want to thank Chief Reginald Reggie Freeman for spending some time. We had a long day today. You can hear it in my voice. We had a long day today, but it's been solid having him here. And uh, I hope you can pick up those pearls of wisdom and those golden nuggets in there that will assist you in your career. And hopefully you'll become a fire officer that your members will trust. Chief, one last word, are you good? Thank you so much, Chief, for the opportunity. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to obviously coming back. I've had a ball and uh, look forward to you coming up to Hartford and visiting the best fire department in the state. Oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> we picked the right time to cut that off. Hold on a minute. There's something wrong with the recorder. <laughs> Thank you.
Thanks for listening. Like what you heard today? Subscribe to the podcast and blog. Hashtag Fire Officer Trust. For show notes, updates, tips, and more resources, visit www.fireofficertrust.org. Don't forget to sign up for the newsletter so you never miss a show. The Fire Officer Trust, a place for fire officers and those who aspire to be.